All right. Well, good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kelly S. I'm from Oklahoma and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, August 31st. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 90, third paragraph that starts, sometimes it is wise to wait and we'll be reading through two paragraphs ending for, with, for that might spoil matters and comments will be on both. Today's readers are 12 Steps, Robin S., 12 Traditions, Anita L., and the readers of the text will be Larry K., Lauren N., Rebecca B. Our reference numbers or share IDs for Wednesday, yesterday, August 30th, are for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 10365, and for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 10367. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Robin S. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Robin. Good morning, Kelly. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I am Robin S. from Connecticut, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for the opportunity to be of service this morning. 
Thank you, Robin S. And next, I will have Anita L. read the 12 traditions. Anita? Good morning, every- yes, good morning, everybody. Good. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and with that, I pass. Have a great day. Thank you, Anita L. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive of readers only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. All right. So today we are resuming our study of the big book. We are on page 90. We're on the third paragraph where it says, Sometimes it is wise to wait. We'll be reading through two paragraphs ending with, or that might spoil matters. And comments will be on both paragraphs. And I will have Larry Kay be our first reader. Good morning, Larry. Hey, Kelly. Hey, Kelly, am I coming through okay? (laughs) You are, loud and clear. Okay, good, 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 good. All the way to Oklahoma here. All right. 
sometimes it is wise to wait until he goes on a binge. Um, the family may object to this, but unless he is in danger in a dangerous physical condition, it is better to risk it. Don't deal with him when he is very drunk, unless he is ugly and the family needs your help. Wait for the end of the spree, or at least for a lucid interval. Then let his family or a, fr- or, or a friend ask him if he wants to quit for good, and if he would go to any extreme to do so. If he says yes, then his attention should be drawn to you as a person who has recovered. You should be described uh, to him as one of a fellowship who, as part of their own recovery, try to help others and who will be glad to talk to him if he cares to see you. If he does not want to see you, never force yourself upon him. Neither should the family hysterically plead with him to do anything, nor should they tell him much about you. They should wait for the end of of his next uh, drinking bout. You might place this book where where he can see it in the interval. Here, no specific rule can be given. The family must decide uh, these things, but urge them not to be over-anxious, for that might spoil matters. Okay, so let me uh, set my timer here. Hopefully I won't go too far over. You know, a couple of things come to mind in reading this. I mean, well, other people have a chance to share. If the person that I'm working with does not have the gift of desperation, you know, it's unlikely they're going to be receptive to this message of hope. And that's why it's sometimes wise uh, to wait till he's, he's coming off the binge. I, I wait until the end of a spree. I know that for me it was the, uh, the pain of this disease that served as the greatest motivator to put down the, uh, the food. And it, it's sort of like fishing. You know, I've heard if, if I want to fish, I'm not going to, you know, walk down to the end of the, the pier to the dock and, and beat the fish with the hammer, right? They're just going to take off. Uh, you cast the line, you sit and wait, and you let them come to you. And uh, that's not always easy. But when the fish nibbles at my line, I ask them, you know, are, are you done yet? Are you willing to go to any lengths to gain your freedom? And, and these are, you know, these are pertinent questions. And now we, we know that an admission that they're done is a prerequisite, but words are cheap. And we've heard that. And, and actions always prove why words mean nothing. You are what you do, not what you say you'll do. So the transformation is, is only going to happen by uh, completing this program of action in its entirety. But you can't work the steps while you're still drunk. So, so clearly, you know, that syringe has to be down. The food has to be down. No trace amounts of binge substances in your syringe, right? And if they do that, I'll, I'll begin to draw their attention to me as a, a person who was who doomed. I got here doomed. I got here on a losing streak. But I've recovered through this process of transformation. I, I tell them that I, I have to carry this message of hope. It's, it's mandatory that I pass it on if I'm to retain it. And when we work with others, our lives change. We, we don't help another alcoholic because they're sick. We help another alcoholic because we're sick. And part of our program of recovery is that we need to be helping others. I'll never forget my first sponsor telling me that I was uh, helping him more than he was helping me. And I thought, wow, boy, that's a heavy dose of uh, horse manure there, right, um, that sponsors must tell newcomers. Uh, and then later on, I eventually sponsored others as I recovered, as I became a recovered person, and I got it. I, it made perfect sense to me. So 
with this, I'm just reminded, you know, that, that, you know, the family around the person may be hysterical. They may be, you know, it's, I just got to take it easy, relax. I'm, I'm not in charge of someone's spiritual awakening. I'm merely here to carry the torch of the steps of recovery here. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Okay, we are now open the floor for people who would like to share on those two. Who would like to share? Who would like to share? Dorita P. S. Rebecca B. Kim J. Charles H. Charles. Okay, let's stop there. So if everybody can press star one. Echo. Harlan G. Okay, but we're going to stop okay, here. Here, stop here, here. Again, if you guys could all press stop. Hey, guys, the leader's phone has a huge echo. Does anyone else hear it? Okay, yes. hang on. All right. So, yes, I hear it, too. All right, here's, here's the lineup. Dorita P., Tina S., Rebecca B., Kim G., Charles H., and Harlan G. So if everybody will please uh, mute, we will start with Dorita P, started by, followed by Tina S. Dorita? Hi. I was just talking. <laughs> Hi, this is Dorita P from Cleveland, um, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And I am really grateful to be here. Yes, uh, I heard this on the line, that this program is not for people who who need it, and it's not even for people who want it. It's for people who do it. And I've been saying it ever since I heard it. And it's so true, you know. Um, and I used to uh, try to pass it to people who who needed it not even sometimes for people who maybe even really wanted it. Um, I mean, um, I have a friend who um, has a lot of medical complications due to this disease, and um, he's come to a few meetings, and, you know, um, I spent time with him thinking that he that he wanted it, uh, but... Um, I'm just really grateful, you know, um, I'm just really grateful that I um, was willing to do it. Um, I needed it, I wanted it, and I was willing to do it. Um, yeah, uh, this is not an a easy program, but it's, it's very simple. It's very simple, and it's laid out there right for us. We don't have to... Uh, add anything or delete anything or change anything we is laid out there for us, and I'm just so grateful for that and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jarita. I just want a quick reminder to you guys that speaker phones if you're using a speaker phone, it's gonna cause an echo on the line. so if you could please refrain from speaker phones, that'd be great. Thank you so much, and make sure you're muted if you're not speaking. So next up will be Tina S. followed by Rebecca B. Good morning, Tina. Thanks so much, Kelly. Tina S. Recovered Compulsive Eater, anorexic in Florida. And 
Wow, some great readings here. You know, one of the things in today's society, as opposed to back in 1939, is that, you know, um, it's all about attraction and not promotion. And it doesn't really matter what the family wants. You know, it matters what the person does. And it was already said, you know, it is about what I'm doing and not what I'm wanting to do or what somebody wants me to do. And and for me, you know, I had to get to that place of uh, reasonableness. You know, I had to be desperate to, to want to do something different, to get something different, you know, because I was always told that in order to get something different, you have to do something different. This is an action program for sure. You know, and, and I love that it talks about wait for a lucid interval because for sure my experience is not only with myself, but with people that I am attempting to take through the steps. You know, if I'm if I was still in the food or if they're still in the food, they're not interested in working those steps, let me just tell you. There is no interest there. Their interest is for their life to get better, not for them necessarily to get better, but for the circumstances too. And until I could put down the food, you know, I wasn't willing to do anything different, you know, because the thought still was that somehow, some way, someday, I could do this thing on my own. And today I know that that's not the case but I had to put down the food and um, that's my experience. And, and bottom line is that is the experience of the people that I have sponsored. You know, I haven't had anybody that was still in the food that was able to work the steps. Not yet. You know, I'm not saying it hasn't happened, but I have not had that experience. Uh, so with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Next up is Rebecca B followed by Kim G. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, Rebecca B. from Boston, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Just put on my timer. Okay. So um, this is a great reading. And I think about it, um, for me, from both the perspective of being um, a person who was waiting for recovery and also being a person who's in recovery. This lucid interval, I think of it, that's to me where grace comes in, right? Where the power that is higher than myself acts in my life. And I spent years in the food, um, not realizing that there'd be these moments, these windows of opportunity that I call them, where grace enters in, where there'd be willingness. And willingness really is the key, right? Willingness to be brave enough to take action and to change, and that I couldn't do it on my own. I couldn't do it on my own without my higher power, and I couldn't do it on my own without other people in skin, without my higher power in the flesh of recovered compulsive overeaters. And there was no way I was going to stop at any other time than those moments. And so when I think about this as a person, when I was in the food, what I needed the most was willingness. And, you know, I used to pray for the end result. I used to pray that either I could keep eating the way I wanted and have no effects of that, like keep eating the way I wanted and not be hungover from food, keep eating the way I wanted and not feel awful, look awful, gain weight, lose weight, be sick. Or I wanted to be able to get to the end of it all without going through anything in the middle, without putting down the food, without doing the steps. So I had to pray for willingness. Then from the perspective of being the recovered compulsive overeater and all of us in the line, we have to, in my experience, just be here because when that moment happens, when it happened for me, I knew where I could go. I knew who I could reach out to. I knew where I could go and they just had to be there with open arms. So I see it both as a place of grace, willingness, and on our part, when once we're recovered, to be here with open hands and open hearts. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. 
Thank you, Rebecca. Next up is Kim G, followed by Charles H. Good morning, Kim. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. So much in this paragraph. Sometimes it's wait. It's wise to wait till he goes on a binge. You know, I have to tell you, that's why I love my home group. My home group is Sunday mornings in, in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and a lot of times people are binging on Saturday night. You know, and they're coming to that meeting, and they're desperate, and their ears are open. And what we hope for is that lucid interval. So one of the things my home group has instituted over the last year is we have a step one meeting after every meeting. So the people that are disturbed during the meeting could stay and learn some more information. And it's a great fishing ground because that's when people are willing to take action. You know, in, in AA, in, in my area, I often hear that's why the members go into the recovery houses when they first get there. Because that's when they're willing to do work. Now, when you're 28 days sober and your job's letting you come back and your wife's letting you come back, you don't need God. You don't need a sponsor. You don't need steps because you, you have the allergy being free. So I love it when someone binged last night. And then there's two ifs in here, too. And I often talk to my sponsors about these ifs. Because if he wants to quit for good. So we're asking them, are you done? Not whether you're willing to put the food just down for today. Not whether you're willing to put it down until you lose 30 pounds or maybe to your daughter's wedding, but are you done? And the other is if you go to any extreme to do so. And I have to say, I don't think you can go to any 12-step meeting where somebody who hasn't been to three meetings is going to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to do anything until you ask them to do something. So I always tell my sponsees, get quiet and ask your higher power what you're going to require of your sponsees because you can, you can require stuff of your sponsees. You know, think about it. What time of the day are you most um, available to people? Are you a morning person, an afternoon person, an evening person? How many times a week do you want to talk to somebody? You know, how do you want to handle the food? Is it going to be through a phone call, email, texting? You know, what about the time frame? Let people know what the time frame is that normally takes you to get people through the steps because they're going to have to be willing to be uncomfortable during that time. And how do you want to handle the tools? And when you give them, that's what you require that's what they're agreeing to. And if they're not willing to do that work, then you say, thank you very much. I need to go to the next person. Because that's what, that's, what, that's what extreme means to that individual person. And I just want to end with this, because once again, we're hearing that word recovered. They're referring not to someone who's just going to meetings, not to someone who maybe is halfway through the steps, but that you're recovered. And this is just my opinion. This is why I believe there's a lot of sex and overeaters anonymous. Because we have a lot of people who are, who are sponsoring who are not recovered, don't have neutrality, and therefore we have to only hang out with people that eat exactly like us. That's why I feel over is anonymous. It's so essential. We must be recovered so we have neutrality around our own food so we can help other people discover what their food, what their allergic um, foods are. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Next up is Charles H., followed by Harlan G. Good morning, Charles. Thank you for your service. Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. I want to drill down where it says, if he does not want to see you, never force yourself upon him. Well, let me tell you this. Some people I don't want to see either. <laughs> I'm going to keep it official with you. Um, not because I hate them. It's because, you know, carrying a message sometimes is like saying, I can't work with you. And I've said that twice. Um, once this morning and once yesterday, uh, work with, well, try to work with somebody because that's what the 12 steps says. Try, right? Um, 
you know, the person said, you know, uh, I've been absent in six months, and I've been, uh, you know, I, I, I think I've been looking for a sponsor, but I haven't made any phone calls. So then, you know, I was trying to work with the person, but the person knew everything, and the person wanted to help me sponsor them. So I was like, I can't work with you anymore. And I was like, thank you, have a nice day. Then another one this morning um, was doing the same thing. And I was like, you know, thank you, I can't work with you. I didn't say it as elegantly as some of you guys do. I wear my, my, my feelings on my shirt. And, and, I'm, and God's working on He ain't finished with me on, in, in that area. However, um, if we're not working with others, only work with others, work with others. So I will continue to work with other people. And I realize that um, I'm not a good match for a lot of people, and a lot of people are not a good match for me. I wish you nothing but the best. I wish you your first step experience because I had to have mine. Um, and, you know, hanging on to somebody that's not doing any work, that's just selfish. So I'm trying to be less selfish today and selfless more. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Charles H. Next up is Harlan G. Good morning, Harlan. Good morning, Kelly. Thank you for your service, and thank you to Team Thursday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. I got a snippet into how deadly this illness is a number of years ago in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I got a, a good mirror image of myself. I landed in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, on my way to do a big book study in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I was greeted at the airport by someone who was quite enthusiastic that we needed to stop at a hospital to see uh, a man who was suffering from this illness. My first question is, does this man want to see us? The answer that I got was, that doesn't matter. He needs to see you. You are the only one that can help him. And I said, wait a minute, hold the phone here. If this man does not want to see me, let's not go there. Oh, no, that's nonsense. That's nonsense. Well, I wasn't driving the car, and I had no control over where we were going. We arrived at the hospital. We came up to a room, and there was a man there that was easily 500 pounds. I have been 500 pounds. I know what 500 pounds looked like. He had tubes in him. He was suffering from extreme edema in his lower extremities. And like I have been, was up in stirrups to reduce the swelling in his ankles, which can be quite dangerous. We were in the room for about two minutes. This man was highly antagonized. He forced himself, he physically forced himself to soil the bed, knowing that the nurse would come in and force us to leave while she cleaned him up and cleaned up the bed. It worked. We left. Three months later, he was dead. There is a timing to this. If we went as recovered people to the cancer ward of our local hospital and said, come with us, we have a way of 
recovering from terminal cancer or leukemia or AIDS or God knows what else, people would say to us, take me. I will go and do as you say to me. But when you go up to the ward where the people are, the bariatric ward where people are suffering from this, they will tell you unequivocally, get away from me. I can do this on my own. You go back there three months later, two months later, six months later, they're dead. There's a timing to this. There's a deadly, deadly disease. But we can only help the people who want to be helped. That is the fact of it. That's beyond my understanding. But all I need to do is look at myself to know that what I've just said is 100% true. The only thing we can do is recover, recover, and recover. If you're on this line, work Time. the steps. And with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Harlan G. Okay. Just a reminder where we're at. We are on page 90, third paragraph. Starting with sometimes it's wise to wait, reading through two paragraphs, ending with for that might spoil matters. We're commenting on both paragraphs. Who would like to share? Ron Barbara E. Katie G. R. Laura H. Hang on. Hang on. I have uh, Nessa R. Katie G. Leah M. Roz R. Roz. Are Sue G. Sue G. Barbara E. Oh, Barbara E. Okay, let's stop there. And if everybody will please mute, uh, mute your phone, press star one. Here's the lineup I have uh, Nessa R. Katie G. Leah M. Roz R. Sue G. And Barbara E. Everybody press star one to mute, and we will start with Nessa R, followed by Katie G. Good morning, Nessa. Press star one. Are you there, Nessa? Hi, good morning. Sorry, I thought I was unmuted, but uh, I wasn't. Um, this is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, when I uh, first recovered um, almost six years ago, uh, by the grace of God, through these beautiful 12 steps after putting down the food entirely, I was so excited. I have finally found the answer to all my life's problems, to problems that have plagued, that plagued me for four and a half decades. And I was so excited. I wanted to spread it. Uh, uh, wide across the globe, I was going to single-handedly eradicate compulsive overeating from the face of the earth, one compulsive overeater at a time. And I remember I was a speaker at a meeting once, and this, this very lovely woman came up to me after. And she was suffering. She was suffering. She was obese. She was in pain, um, physical as well as mental um, you know, I just, I felt so bad for her and she wanted to work with me and I, I took a liking immediately to her and I wanted to work with her very, very badly as well. I wanted to save her from the disease and, you know, she, uh, 
You know, one of her her, her most favorite trigger food, uh, binge food, were bagels, and she wasn't ready to give them up, and she wanted to find a way to recover without giving up her bagels. And I talked to her, I don't know how many times for how many hours, trying to convince her that the bagels weren't worth it, that there was something much better, that it was life after bagels, that she should do what I had done, you know, because I, I also was very attached to my, my bagels, um, you know, once upon a time, and I just couldn't do it. And I just couldn't do it. And I learned right there and then that I, I can't convince people who don't want to be convinced. You know, she wanted what I wanted when I first came into the rooms, which was, which was to find a way to eat as much as I wanted, but not experience any consequences. I mean, I, she was still looking for the easier, softer way. And I could have talked till I was blue in the face, and actually I did. I put all the best arguments. I talked to her about the allergy of the body, the obsession of the mind, entire abstinence, the steps, you know, what it is like now, what a beautiful life I have without the bagels and without the food, but nothing really worked. And, you know, after a while, I, just, I realized that it was futile. She didn't want to be convinced. She just wanted a magical answer to her problem. And I, I told her, you know what? When you are ready to give up your bagels, give me a call, and then um, we'll work together. And, you know, it's been six years. I don't think she's, she's, she's never called me. She's never, never called me. Um, my job is to work with people who want to recover and who are willing to go to any lengths. And sometimes people have to do a lot more eating, a lot more suffering, and, a lot, and experience a lot more weight gain before that Hi. has to happen. Thank you. It's not up to me uh, to make a person ready. It is up to me to work with them when they are ready. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Next up is Katie G, followed by Leah M. Good morning, Katie. Hey, Kelly. May I be heard? Yes, you can. Good morning, guys. Katie G, recovered compulsive eater, anorexic and bulimic, starting my timer in Boston. Yeah, I don't force myself upon somebody, and am I willing to go to any extreme to do so? You know, the best time that I was sponsorable was when I called a sponsor, and this is what my interview process, because people call me and they like to interview me as a sponsor, but this is what my interview process sounded like. Help me. I'm going to die. Tell me what to do. And, you know, the diet mentality screwed me up for a long time, as did my ego. You know, I might get a few 24 hours and be getting through the steps, and then I pick up a food, and I, I call a million people, right? And I'm like, well, does that mean I have to go back to step one? Does that mean I broke my abstinence? And, you know, that means that I have to, you know, not be able to do this and do that? And... And what's shocking to me is like the fundamental misunderstanding that I had of the disease, you know, that my sponsor has taught me entire abstinence and working the steps. And if I'm putting food in my mouth and I say I'm on step one, step nine, I may say I'm on step nine, but actually I'm on step one because I'm not entirely abstinent. And, you know, I just think for me um, – Going to any extreme meant I was so badly mangled and brutalized by this disease that I didn't care. 
I didn't care what she was going to ask me to do. Um, and you know, when I work with women, I say to them, look, I cannot fight my own disease. I'm not going to fight yours. This is my experience based solely on what has worked for me and the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and this is what I do. You know, come with me. But I can't, I can't convince them. I love the previous share. Like, I can't convince you. And it can be so confusing with that diet mentality I've been in for years. Like, oh, do I really have to put down that? Do I really have to put that down that? Well, if it's doing that thing for me, right, even comfort, it's going to do that thing to me. And honestly, if I'm asking that if I can't have it, I may have a problem with it. If you asked my husband to put something, to put, you know, whatever it is down, because it may be a trigger, he would put it down. When I'm active in my disease, if you ask me to, to keep it, I, to put it down, I'm going to justify, rationalize, and defend my right to eat it. So I am so glad for the gift of sheer desperation that made me sponsorable and that continues to make me go after this program one day at a time and, of course, to pass this message along. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Next up is Leah M. followed by Roz R. Good morning, Leah. Good morning. Thank you very much, Kelly. Uh, then let his family or a friend ask him if he wants to quit for good, if he would go to any extreme to do so. I mean, the big book is giving, you know, guidance, instructions, directions as to how to work with another with other people, and you know, it is a technique. It's an art. You know, um, it's it's this dance. You know, kind of uh, between a recovered compulsive overeater and someone who is still suffering. Um, and, you know, I just find in my work with other people that they just have to be beaten to a state of reasonableness, and that's nothing that I can give them. You know, willingness is a one-person job. Absolutely, willingness is a one-person job, because the reality is that compulsive overeating, uh, for many of us, is kind of like being kicked to death by a rabbit. You know, it doesn't have the drama, um, you know, that um, alcoholism can have, you know, um, and we have to remember that, you know, in the early days of AA, it was the bottom, you know, uh, the gutter level drunks that were so desperate that they were willing to do anything and go to any extreme uh, in order to be recovered. And compulsive overeating, the medicating and the numbing and the anesthetic effect just kind of leaves us, you know, kind of in a stupor on the couch, um, you know, operating not quite, you know, at a high functioning level, but still operating, still going to work, still, you know, uh, filling the role of wife and mother, et cetera. Um, you know, so, you know, letting people know that we're available, um, but always remembering that a person forced against his will is of the same as opinion still. And all I have to do is look at my own history to see uh, that, it wasn't until the disease had wrapped its talons around my neck and the pain was getting increasingly worse 
that finally the disease had done its job and I resigned from the debating society. There was no more arguing about powerlessness. There was no confusion about unmanageability. There was no difficulty understanding that I had become insane. The disease had done its job of beating me to a pulp. And that's what I wait for. I particularly, you know, when it says neither should the family hysterically plead with him to do anything. I mean, I used to get calls and I still get calls from mothers of anorexics and bulimics wanting help for their daughters. And I've gone through this tens and tens of times that it just takes a beating for these girls to be ready to recover. Uh, And that is the reality. Um, And just wrapping up, you know, they may act like a compulsive overeater. They may act like a bulimic anorexic. They may look like a bulimic anorexic. They may have a history of all that. But their mind says they're really not that bad off. And, you know, it seems to be the only disease known to man where the person has no enthusiasm to, to, to recover. You know, and uh, that's a reality, and it's called addiction. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Leah. Next up is Roz R., followed by Sue G. Good morning, Roz. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Thank you very much. I'll start my timer. This is Roz R., recovered in Florida. Um, Thank you for your service and everyone being on this line. Um, Oh, my God. This is like... I could just, um, I I love this reading. Um, Things that that crossed my mind big time, um, one of the things was the willingness, you know, to go to any length. Um, I've been in the rooms over 35 years. Uh, I was at my normal body weight, but I reached my bottom when I came into vision finally and got myself a vision sponsor um, when I realized I was insane in my thinking, in my mind, in my depression, I was doing all kinds of uh, geographical cures. And if only I had this, and if only I didn't have this. And I mean, it, it was like my whole outer world was my problem. And um, I, I fought uh, letting go of the foods. Um, I, I love that statement, too, uh, that it's not for people who want it or for people who need it, but for people who will do it. I wasn't willing to do it. When people told me what I might have to give up or when I, you know, would wrestle with the foods that called me or the foods I used for ease and comfort, I was not willing to give them up um, until I had no life anymore and yet there was no reason to have no life. Um, I had everything I could possibly need or want to have a wonderful life except my, my mind and this disease had taken over. Um, so when I did the work, you know, the miracle happened. Um, I just didn't believe that God would do for me um, what I couldn't do for myself. I knew he would do it for you, but I didn't think he would do it for me. And um, now I'm on the other side and I'm sponsoring people and I get lots of calls and I love giving this program away. I never understood how people loved sponsoring or loved sharing the message, but I didn't have a message to share. I only had a crazy food plan and I was thin. Um, That is not recovery. Um, And in here it says, you know, we try to help others. As part of our own recovery, we try to help others. I have to remember that we're trying to help others, um, and we're doing this as part of, um, the, as, as a way of our staying sober. I have to remember that so that when I sponsor people, you know, in the beginning I was feeling like, oh, my God, I have to be the perfect sponsor, and, you know, what if I don't do it the right way? And I keep getting reminded that my job is just to share what works for me, to, you know, to, to uh, guide people through this big book, to do the work. Um, and, and I'm staying sober, I'm staying abstinent, and I can only uh, give what I was given. 
and I am not responsible for someone's recovery. So that, you know, that's taken me a while to get that, but um, I'm just so grateful for this program. I love what I just heard, um, something about being kicked to death by a rabbit. Um, uh, It's like being kicked to death by a rabbit with this disease. That's funny. Um, Anyway, I am so excited to meet all you guys in the two weeks. So I will wrap it up and um, thank you for, um, thank you for all of you being here and for all of your recovery and for those that are, New to this line, don't give up. It works. Thank you. Thank you, Roz R. Next up is Sue G, followed by Barbara E. Good morning, Sue. Good morning. This is Sue G, um, recovered by the grace of God in Michigan. Um, It's discouraging because you want to help when someone's not ready. Um, But I've learned that I have to let people go or say I'm sorry you're you're not ready or I I can't I can't help you at this time. When you know um, I had one gal that that as long as I call, as long as she called me every day and committed to putting the food down she did it. Um, and when she got up to about four days, I asked her if she wanted to start working doctor's opinion and she said no not now. And um, and she stopped calling. But all of a sudden, a month later, or a little little less than a month later, here she is calling and saying, I'm ready to work the doctor's opinion. And um, I don't need to call you. I'll call you if I want to pick up, but I've got eight days of absence. And I'm desperate. And I'll do whatever you ask me to do. That's what I want to hear. And then I will do I will do everything within my power with God's help to help them. I'm so proud of of not proud, but I, mean, I guess there's a little bit of pride involved when you work with someone for quite a while and they go through the steps and then their name is out there for for looking for a sponsor that they're available to sponsor. You now your heart gets warmed and. But when you push them too soon and they're not ready, I just told her to let me know, you know, to keep calling if she wanted to that one. And, and if she didn't call, then I'd know that she was in trouble again. And that's exactly what happened. Um, she didn't have a long enough lucid uh, time. Um, and, and when I thought she had, she wasn't ready to work. So it, it paid off to let her um, to let her go and just wait upon her to call me when she was ready. And now I'm working with her. So with that, I passed. Thank you. Thank you, Sue G. Next up is Barbara E. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning. This is Barbara E. in New Jersey. Um, wow. This really, really hits home for me on a very personal level. Back in the 50s, I was in elementary school and going for sleepovers at my friend Sherry's house. And her mom, with all good intentions, called my mother and said, I think Barbara has an eating disorder. She eats all the things I bake in the house when she sleeps over, all of them. So my mom took me to a doctor that shot me gave me shots in my rear end and pills to take. And I didn't stop eating, but I was very um, 
hyper, hyper, because I couldn't, I couldn't calm down. And then fast forward to the 70s when my mom reached out to my friend Lynn, and who was going to a weekly weight loss program, and said, Barbara needs help. Could you get her to go with you? And I went, and I was successful, but I didn't understand that it was a threefold problem, so I picked up the food again and again and again. But on the plus side, I know you haven't failed till you stop trying. There are two lives, the one I learned from and the one I live after that. Now, I live with a member of my family who is morbidly obese, and I've been abstinent for 21 years. He does not want this program. I've left OAAA literature around, and he says, Mom, you can stop doing that. You know, I think you're crazy. You're weighing and measuring your food. You're not having this. You're not having that. He doesn't want it. He can't bend down to pick up anything off the floor. It breaks my heart. But I know that for me and for other people who are really desperate and want it, there are some mountains that are not meant to be climbed alone. I need the right equipment, the company of other dedicated climbers, everything necessary for my safety. And that is reaching out to others and taking them along on this journey. The view from the summit is absolutely breathtaking. I am secure that I have others other members to help me on this expedition and breathe the fresh air and joy with my fellows. That's why I go to -to face-to-face meetings. I stay abstinent. I don't want to have to lose my sponsees. You're right, whoever said it. I learned so much from them, and I'm so grateful to this program of recovery. You have not failed till you've stopped trying. I wish all good things for everyone out there. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. We have time for one, maybe two quick shares. Is there anybody out there who'd like to share? Melissa. Melissa. Tracy B. Melissa C. And who is it, Teresa? Tracy B. Tracy B. Sorry, Tracy. All right, Melissa, you're up. Okay, thank you. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C. Recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I'm thinking about that lucid interval, that like pause, that interval is that pause in between um, and lucid when we're clear, you know, and, um, you know, so it's like the best time to get through um, is when someone's back is against the wall. And, And I could speak for myself, you know, my back had to be against the wall, not when I still thought I had another way out. You know, when I was when I was convinced that I was truly drowning, you know, when I could not drink water anymore, there was that interval, that was that period in between um, the bites and um, and thinking I had a solution. And at that point, you know, I stopped telling people that were rescuing me how to rescue me. And um, and that's like a very precise moment, you know. And, and so as a sponsor, um, we have to listen in for that moment because um, that's an inside job. People have to believe in their heart that they're out of ideas. I can't tell someone you're out of ideas, um, you know. And so 
My experience as a sponsor is when people still think they can control their binges to weekends or vacations. Um, they say things like, um, oh, I overate last night, but it wasn't as bad as it was before. You know, like, like, oh, that's the most painful thing for me to hear. Believe it or not, when someone says uh, uh, it's not so bad, then I'm like, oh, damn, there's nothing for me to do for them because um, maybe it isn't so bad, and then they don't need what I have to offer. Um, we could still be friends, but then, like, you know, go to a weight loss program if, if, if it's not that bad. Where do I really feel like, oh, yes, is when someone calls and says, you know, I'm in tears. Like, I can't stop. I can't stop. I can't believe I picked up again. I can't stop, you know. Um, or when someone calls and tells me, you know, I ate something and I was thinking, like, I haven't had this since I was a little girl. And then I'm, then I'm like, okay, now we can talk. Like, we're, you're looking to recapture a feeling. And, um, and so, you know, we have to listen. I know I have to listen closely to what people say. And as painful as it is, um, like Leia had said about kick to death by the rabbit, oh, my God. Like, so sometimes it means I have to let the rabbit keep kicking other people um, and just be here as a continuous um, model, you know, recover, recover, recover. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. And Tracy B., you have like two minutes. Tracy, press star one. Well, um, Tracy, you're not being heard, so hopefully you can get on in the second hour. Um, well, okay, for two minutes, I'm Kelly S., Recovered Convulsive Overeater, always able to talk on the moment. Uh, I just wanted to say real quick, um, one of the sayings, you know, all these little slogans, sometimes they really do help. And the one that changed my life when I came in here that I feel like needs to be said that we hear all the time, this program is not for people who need it. It's not for people who want it. It's for people who do it. And I had not heard that last part in the 30-something years that I'd been around OA. <clears throat> you know, I wanted it. I thought I wanted it. And it wasn't until I was willing to do the work. And when I listened to newcomers, if they're still making excuses, um, or not willing to, to say, do, you know, call me up in tears, as Melissa was saying, to saying, whatever, I'll do whatever, tell me what to do. There's no but, you know, and that's where I had to be. And people always want to ask me what, what made it different this time, you know, 30-something years later. You know, my disease um, got me to a place of willingness and desperation, and, you know, I, I can hear that in other people's voices today. And so, you know, it's about people willing to do it. And today I'm just grateful, grateful, grateful I'm willing to do it because the solution's been here since, what, 1938. So willing to pick up the spiritual toolkit laid at my feet finally and just grateful to be doing it with you guys. Can't wait to see you soon. So with that, we will um, move on. Let's see. Where are we? Okay. Thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Thursday, August 31st, is 10370. Okay, well, we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Lauren N. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. 
Good morning. This is Lauren Ann. Can you hear me? I can, Lauren. Hmm, and my iPad just went blank. There we go. Okay, why aren't you showing? Mm, sorry. Technical different difficulties. I had it open, and it's now not showing the page. So let me... Do you need somebody else to step in? Um, well, I could just tell me the page, and I'll get to it on another on another page, another one. One good. One sixty-four. Okay. Sorry, y'all. One sixty-four. Here we go. I'll get. I've got another app, so I'll do it on another one. Uh, this is Rebecca B. If you need me. Yeah, go ahead, Rebecca. Let's do that. Go ahead. Got it. Thank you. Okay, great, thanks. Uh, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to us and to, to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.